1: Hi, I'm Jennifer Ranney. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Family Support over at the Arc of Spokane.
2: And I'm Jim Lane, and I am the Sexual Abuse Awareness and Response Trainer. Fantastic. And thank you for having us, Maria.
0: Yes, it's my pleasure. Um, Can you just give us a little outline of your career? Like, how did you get to where you are? What, all the steps that led up to where you are today?
2: How much time do we have?
0: As long as you need.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So... um, Let's see. I was in law enforcement for 25 years. Um, I'm a veteran um, of the Navy. So I was in the Navy first. I went to college, got my degree, moved across country after I got my degree, started working in law enforcement. Um, I worked for three different agencies. I had four or five investigative assignments, two of which were with um, task forces monitoring sex offenders. One was a very short, uh, two-week type of um, task force arrangement where we would go out and find sex offenders who had absconded or had moved and hadn't re-registered. And the other assignment, later, much later in my career, was uh, for about a year attached to a task force that was a multi-county task force in Northern California. And uh, we monitored sex offenders, registered them, uh, cleaned up the uh, files so that the Megan's Law database was correct, and um, also did some work on the side uh, to help the regular sex crimes detectives who were going out and speaking to victims. Um, and we would go as a second sometimes to help them out. Um, and I've done a lot of teaching. I was a field training officer during that time, um, several different years, because you bounce between patrol and investigations. So, mm. uh, But I retired in 2016. And I worked as a bike mechanic for a little while. Um, And then uh, when the season got cold and rainy and they let me go, um, I worked with my wife, who worked for a a memory care community um, in Marin County. And I started as an activity assistant there and then was the activity director there. Um, Did that for about a year and a half and worked with people with dementia and Alzheimer's. Left that job to work for the Redwood gospel mission in Santa Rosa. And I worked as an event and outreach coordinator for a little bit with them. And then I became the program manager for the men's, um, residential recovery program Mm. and did that for a little over a year and, um, left that job when my ex mother-in-law, um, went in hospice and, uh, and then in that same year, she, she passed in April. We moved in July up to Washington mm. and uh, worked a job in retail for a little bit to just use up some time during the day and then uh, left that and saw this job available here at the Ark. And having worked in, you know, like in bicycle industry and, and in retail, and um, I always Got more out of a job where you're actually able to help people, where there's a actual a mission to do, not mm-hmm. just not just sell things. And um, so this job at the Art, I saw advertised on LinkedIn, of all places, and um, put my application. And it, had, it ticked some boxes for some stuff that I'd done before, and, and felt that I could make a uh, uh, difference in. And um, and also secondary reason my. Uh, son, Colin, who is 26 and has uh, IDD, still lives in California, and he expressed an interest to move up to Washington, and I thought, well, this is a great place for me to learn what's available for him, should he move, mm-hmm. and kind of get the lay of the land that way, too. So um, it's kind of a twofer.
0: Yeah. It's like all your worlds combined it into one. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. was awesome. Pretty much. That they just did that. Yeah. Um, so why are you passionate about this topic? Why... What was about this job that made you want to come back into this field?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, You know, when I was uh, in law enforcement, um, we always... Good cops want to solve crimes, Mm -hmm. and they want to put bad guys in jail. And the field of uh, sex crimes is one where you have... Somebody at their worst, um, victimizing a person who is helpless
0: mm-hmm.
2: in a lot of cases, and at their weakest. And that, for a person that's a black and white, good and bad. Uh, I want to get bad guys. That's like that's like the top of your list. I don't want you. I don't like bullies. I don't want you hurting people. Um, I just tell you a story. A, a bully story. What really started early for me in one. When I moved across country, um, we moved to Santa Rosa, and my first wife's um, sister, Tammy, uh, was born with cerebral palsy and IDD, and pretty severe. And um, but we, uh, when we moved to California, we she was visiting with us, and she wanted ice cream. So uh, my brother, who was out visiting us, also he and I took her down to the Baskin Robbins to get ice cream. We were walking from our car over to the Baskin-Robbins, and this black Camaro comes by with some teenagers in it. And um, if you were to see Tammy, you would know she's disabled. It was very clearly present. And this car drove by us. These guys leaned out the window with squirt guns and just started squirting Tammy. Mm. And didn't squirt my brother and I. I'm 6'2". He's 6'4". But...
0: Very intentional. Very
2: intentional. And Mm -hmm. they laughed and sped off. And um, I I didn't grow up around people with disabilities, nobody in my family prior to my own son um, or knowing Tammy. Um, But that was like a uh, – I was very naive younger
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: wasn't exposed to a lot of different things. And when that happened, it was like this switch that flipped that was like, I just want to prevent that from happening to anybody. It's just so mean, so cruel. So, um,
0: defenseless. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It's
2: yeah. And so Tammy was neat, neat, neat girl. I say girl, so, even though she's my sister-in-law <laughs> and, uh, you know, but still she. anyway. Yeah. Miss her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she passed away in, uh, 2019. Oh, um, but yeah so you know that's, there's that and, the, and this growing up with my son and dealing with uh, and I have three kids four actually one's my stepson but um, Colin is my middle child from my first marriage and um, a lot of ups and downs and dealing with um, schools and sports programs and uh, all kinds of Things where the world is not designed for people with disabilities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are treated differently, they're treated as an afterthought and um, and I'll, I've always tried to treat Colin as if, hey, you're just like your brothers and sisters, and I expect you to be able to do your own thing and take care of yourself mm-hmm. you know I, I I never raised him to be well parts of me did before i realized that that was the wrong way to go Um, as all parents do though Yeah,
0: (laughs) like we just take it by the seat of our pants yes yes yes
2: and um so just having having that background and knowing what i i I would like people to know as a parent having been through some of the things not all of them related to sexual abuse or sexual Mm -hmm. assault more related to communication and uh um just spatial awareness things going on um incidents they might be involved in, um, teaching them uh, awareness of, um, you know, their knowing to trust their own um, feelings. If a situa- if situation feels wrong, it probably is wrong.
0: Uh-huh. And there's got to be uh-huh. a reason
2: for it, so maybe you should stop what you're doing. So just teaching them um, just how to be good by themselves without having mommy and daddy there 24-7. Yeah.
0: So So not the similar thing, but I realized just how vulnerable some of our population is. is I went to a concert at the knitting factory with um, a neighbor kid across the street who I adore. And he has got a very different taste in music than his mom does, but him and I align pretty well. So I took him, and we had a blast. But... With him being in a wheelchair, there was only one part of the knitting factory he can go to. We had to be the first ones in by an hour. The last ones out by almost an hour by the time everybody got out. And it was safe enough for us to push him through. And people would walk past him and just, like, grab onto his chair to kind of, like, move around him. And, like, that's a part of his body. And you wouldn't go and touch anybody else. And I didn't and to you bri- treat, treat like a piece of furniture. Yes, yeah. very much so and I was surprised by that having not experienced it firsthand, right? And then for him to get water, I had to go all the way across where like the main area was, but I had to leave him up right. there because there's stairs to go down. I'm like what if somebody takes him? Like like what, what do I do? I know. <laughs> like yeah. it was the most eye-opening experience ever and he's fully verbal like he can communicate but can't defend himself right and it never occurred to me how vulnerable you could be in such a position and i was like okay i was so paranoid Mm. and then i became mama bear i'm like you don't need to be touching his chair (laughs) you know (laughs) so then my voice might have got a little bit louder throughout the night (laughs) that's what happened so jennifer why does the arc feel like out of all of the topics with dd and idd why would this one be one that they would focus a lot of their attention on and staff on, and why is this such a big purpose? Oh,
1: thank you for asking that. Um, so the thing is, is with um, sexual abuse and people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, it's it's practically an epidemic. Um. Um, so I, I believe they say, what is it, one in four? One in four. One in, one in four uh, people with an intellectual or developmental disability will be sexually abused. And I, I remember, um, so Jim and I, before we could, um, before he could do this training and before I, even I was allowed to supervise it, we had to go through a core advocacy training. And, and it was amazing, it was really good. Um, and probably for Jim, it wasn't, I mean, I, I'm sure he knew quite a bit of that stuff. I, I know for me, it was inc- very, very eye-opening. But when I started to put together some of these pieces of um, just sexual abuse in general, and then hmm. thinking about um, our community, of those people that we care so much about with intellectual and developmental disabilities, all I kept thinking is, my God, they are they're the perfect victim.. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe they maybe they are in a wheelchair, you know, just like you were sharing, or maybe they don't use words to communicate, or because of the way they process information, Um, they may have a difficult time sharing what happened and they don't even have the words to share what happened. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Or, um, and even if they do, maybe there is an investigation, but because a story, you know, a story could, they remember things different, right? You know? And you start to put pieces together, but they could be considered an unreliable witness, right? Right. So,
2: And that's, and that's one reason why um, over 80% of sex crimes against people with disabilities go unreported. Now, unreported means it never goes to court.
0: Okay. It it, it basically
2: gets reported as far as, hey, this person was abused and some, but either the police elect not to investigate it fully or the DA decides we can't charge this because they're not a good witness or the person just decides, I don't want to do this anymore anymore. You know, it's
0: scary. It's enough just to,
2: to, to disclose. And I can't, I can't, I don't want to go any further. And so for whatever reason, all these cases, 80% wow. get to the point where this, there's really no resolution, right? There may be, hopefully there is resolution as far as that person getting counseling and being able to try to get back to a normal
0: rehabilitated. Right? and Right. Yeah.
2: Um, but can you imagine only twenty percent of people actually being able to go through and and, and uh, have that person that victimized them
0: pay for what they did? I had no idea it was. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Wow! Dying. Yeah. Wow.
1: It's yeah. it's absolute I mean, it's it's a frightening statistic. And we were um, as part of the training. I think something that really hit me hard, and Jim and I had talked about it afterwards. Was this woman who was talking about? Um, Okay, imagine if you have gone through some type of trauma, you know, sexual abuse, and then she was really focusing on how the brain works after, during trauma and after trauma. Um, And there's natural ways that your body tries to protect you, but that doesn't always mean that your memory will serve you right, okay? -hmm. Um, So she said, now try to imagine putting all the details of what happened on individual post-it notes and now crumple, crumple up all of those notes and throw them out across the room and now try to put them back into order
0: again perfectly. Uh, our brains um, do amazing things keeping us protected and right. protecting us in the moment. But exactly. that recall is but where the But the recall,
1: yes. And, and then, you know, and all I kept thinking is now imagine somebody who has IDD. So if it's add, add that... On top uh-huh. of it, and uh-huh. to say, okay, put together the post it notes, and I hope you have the words to describe it.
0: You know? Oh.
2: The, the other thing we found in taking that training, which is like a lot of things, um, n- not once was disability mentioned.
1: Ever. True. True.
2: So is there a gap there? Yes, yeah. there is. In fact, we're, we're um, giving training to the Cowspell tribe, to their, um, their advocates. Later this week and one of the things that they asked about was um, communication styles. Oh, sure. And because they just don't have any idea. They haven't been trained on it. They haven't got much experience on it. I think they have maybe one or two clients mm-hmm. that have disability. And so they they're all they're very gung ho about, okay, what can we do to get ready in case this yeah. happens. But taking this five five weeks? Well, it, what was it, 40 hours. It was spread out over five weeks right. on Zoom. But um, at, when we got to the end, I'm waiting for the part to come that they're going to talk about people with disabilities being sexually abused or assaulted. Never came.
0: Not in 40 right. hours of training? No.
2: No. It, that's a gap. Yeah. It, and that's not the only place. There's a, there's a task force that's a statewide task force that um, uh, I was invited to participate in and looking at their minutes from just one month th- and all the stuff that they talk about, there's nothing in there about people with disabilities.
0: Why do you think that is? Why I do you afterthought,
2: think? I, I think, well, first of all, I think if you think as a parent, so you think as a parent, what are the things I have to teach my kids?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have a, a child that's, dis- that's disabled, and for Colin, he was generally about five years behind his actual age Okay, where he was. Okay. So my thought is when Colin hits 12 years old, starts going into puberty, um, I'm not thinking I really have to teach him much about, much about sex because he's, he's more like seven years old, mm-hmm. right? And some of the stuff, he's physically going to go through puberty. Um, but I'm not thinking i got to tell my kid about all the birds and the bees and how people have sex and good relationships versus bad relationships. None right, of that. Right. He's not interested in dating. You know what he was interested in doing? Football. Uh-huh. He played football. Football night and day 100%. Nothing but football. And it never occurred to me.
0: uh uh-huh.
2: And and I remember my my uh my mother and Paula, who was Tammy's mom. Um she told us once that they had to uh make sure that the kids weren't ever left alone, boy and girl, because they would go off behind, you know, behind a building where they were doing work for the day or something and they would go start exploring uh-huh. and, uh, and I was just appalled I was just like
0: what I can't believe wait
2: wait, wait a minute hold on
0: well it's hard because your body biologically is still yes. developing and mm-hmm. those emotions and feelings yeah. and all of the things are still happening regardless of cognitive age yeah. and that is as a parent with a son who has uh, severely impacted with autism you know he's about 10 years difference between chronological and development age mm-hmm. and when he hit puberty it never occurred to us right. and then we're like oh like, you can tell bodies changing, yeah. interests are changing.
2: And, and so the thing is that people that are are going to, um, an offender is going to pick a child with a disability because they're easy target, because they can't communicate, because they can't tell what happened, because they don't even know what's right or wrong touch mm-hmm. if the parents don't tell them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so... Extrapolate that out to the general population where if 12% of our population is disabled in some way 88% aren't. Mm-hmm. Do they even have mm-hmm. a relative that's disabled? Do they even know? Right. It just doesn't occur to you mm-hmm. unless you have an advocate there that says, hey, guess what? This is great. And you're talking about uh, providing transportation for a survivor to an advocate or to a SANE exam. What if that person is a quadriplegic in a uh, mouth-powered um,
0: wheelchair? Wheelchair.
2: Uh, then you have to get a bus. You uh-huh. can't use an ambulance, I don't think, unless they got a, a, a elevator on the side. So now you got to get a bus. Who's going to bring the bus? Are they going to mm-hmm. stay there the whole time? Are they going to go back? Then they're going to have to come back. How do you schedule that? Has anybody thought of that? Or are you just going to wing it? What happens is we usually wing it. Uh. I can remember trying to. Um, if we had a person uh, when I was working in law enforcement this happens uh, you've got homeless people, they're in wheelchairs for whatever reason Um, they're alcoholics they're drug addicts um, they do things that cause them to get warrants, you end up having to arrest a person Yeah. well okay, what do you do with their stuff how do you get that person to jail do I want to take them out of the wheelchair and put them in my car and then put the wheelchair in the back
0: Right. am
2: I even able to do that um, do I have? Is it better to get an ambulance? There's all these things you have to mm-hmm. think of. And maybe in some jurisdictions they've already thought that through and they have a procedure to do that. Right. Hopefully they do. But in most cases, um, like what we're finding here with the going through our Advocate Corps, we know everything about if you or I or Jennifer gets assaulted uh-huh. and all the things we're going to do after the fact. But what if the person has a disability? And what if they can't talk? And what if they have... If they need, um, if they only communicate by drawing pictures or by mm-hmm. using a, a word screen, um, how are we going to do that?
0: Yeah.
2: Have we thought about that?
0: I can't believe a forty-hour training and they didn't even like, even like a blurb yeah. of it. And and I think that there's also this um, the
1: stereotype, I guess, of of uh, oh, people with IDD are not sexual creatures, right? Right. Right. Um, really right.
0: Point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that they're they're clearly not interested in these things. Um, wow, like they so are. <laughs> well biology still is biology, yeah, like right, bodies are still bodies. Yeah. And so it is really important that it's I think, you know, whether whether it's a parent or any other type of guardian to, to not think that your child isn't going to have these interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and to feel comfortable about talking about sex with your child that has IDD, and talking about healthy relationships and healthy touch, and all those types of things. But um, you know, it's I've also heard of schools that will that will give um, sex education to people with non-IDD, and they don't even offer it to the people with IDD. And uh-huh. and so it's it's pretty. Frightening that we're yeah. not even informing. I
0: guess it's so hard because we're so in it, right? We're so in the DD world right. that it's hard for me to wrap my brain around that it's not common thoughts. Like right. when you include a, a training, you include all populations. Mm-hmm. So it's intriguing to me that it never crossed anybody's mind in forty hours to present even thirty minutes of a training. Right. Like so, how do we help? build that gap like we've got to and i think your training will do that you know it'll make people realize that this is happening you can't sweep it under the rug these are how different the numbers are in the population and the ratios like that's unacceptable like 80 Mm percent oh
2: i don't like that you know it's and, and we talk about schools giving sex ed but and that's great but a lot of the reasons um Kids can become victims is because parents don't do what they should have done mm-hmm. to start with, mm-hmm. which is teach our kids those things in the home
0: mm-hmm. and teach
2: them the way we want them taught, not the way that's in a school curriculum, which we may or may not agree with. Is to teach our own children this is a safe thing. This is not a safe thing. Yes. It really it, it, it's one of the things after my first marriage, um, my second marriage, I'm married to a woman who is uh, trained in psychology and she's a life coach. And so talking about feelings is like a norm. <laughs> and uh, as a guy that doesn't want to talk about any of that stuff, it, it's been a, a you don't really have one. an option. No,
0: it's been a hard one to overcome. But, but the nice thing
2: is, is um, you know, growing, with our kids growing up and being with us, we sat down as a family to have a meal, and we would talk about their day. And one of the things that we always uh, would go around the table one at a time. And what was it, tell? Tell me about the best part of your day. And they'd have to tell the best part, and they'd have to tell the worst part. And to a T, with my kids that didn't have a disability, um, they would talk about how good their lunch was, or the fact that a particular teacher they didn't like wasn't in that day, and it's <laughs> stupid stuff, right. just surface, yeah. just surface <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. Colin uh, would often come up with. Um, Things like, yeah, my friend so and so, his grandmother just died. And he was really sad. And, and Collins his emotional IQ is way above his siblings.
0: Okay. Way
2: yeah. above. And um, you know, even if you were to tell a bad story about something that happened in the world, he would be the first one to say, Wow, I bet they really felt bad about that. He's So got he's that.
0: super in tune to super all tune emotions. To that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
2: with that in mind, you have to be able to discuss with your child, hey, you know, what would you do if that happened to you? Mm -hmm. Or if you're giving them a new task to do, um, it's helping them to develop confidence in themselves to be able to do something themselves, whatever that means for whatever their disability is and at whatever level that is. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, it might be um, your child needs to get dressed in the morning. As a parent with four kids, um, if they're a little bitty, you are going around and slapping clothes on oh, kids. Oh, yeah. It's scaffold, right? Like to yeah. their abilities, you just right.
0: modify as they get older. And so, yeah.
2: you know, what if you had with your child with a disability, it's time to get dressed. They're now able to dress themselves instead of us dressing them. We say, Okay, you need to put your shirt on. Why well, can't? Why can't you? I don't know how. Well, let's, let's talk about how you do it. How would you do it? Well, I don't know. So then you walk, you walk them through what they're able to do. Well, maybe put your hands in the bottom. Remember, we have to put our hand arms through the sleeves? Mm-hmm. We walk them through that. We establish a process that then gives them control where they're then able to gather some confidence in themselves that I can do this. Uh-huh. And that when they're faced with a problem, they don't automatically go, uh-oh, shut down, freeze. Maybe there's a solution. And hey, how do you think you're gonna find out? I don't know. You can ask me. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do I do it? I want you to ask me how to do it. Mm -hmm. Because I want you to ask another adult. If you're faced in a situation where you don't know what to do, if you have a trusted person that you always go to, you should be able to go to that person and say, hey, I've got this thing, I don't know how to do it.
0: No, that's a great life skill that I think we just oversee sometimes, Yeah, especially when parenting. I mean, it's so much easier to get them dressed than it is to (laughs) slow down and walk through the steps.
2: Yeah, they they put the underwear over (laughs) the pants. And yeah. the, the shirt's on backwards, and it's the wrong color. And, none and of you've the got stuff five matches. minutes. And you got five minutes to get yep. up. You were late three days in a row, and this is going to be day number four. Yep, yep. And uh, it's just, yeah, I've been there, done that. I've, I, the stress is real. And it wasn't until my kids were all in their teens that I really slowed things down and tried to— I had an understanding then that, especially with my wife's help, that— he is able to do a lot of things. And my first thought was, I'm just gonna do it. And her thing is, no, he's capable of doing that. We need to let him try it. Uh huh. And he's crashed and burned a number of times with us, with the fire extinguisher right next to him. Right? <laughs> right. right. still allowing him to do, there's, I think it's there's, important dig- to- there's dignity in failure.
0: Yes. And if yes. I don't
2: ever let my kid do something, <laughs> for the longest time, Colin's thing is, I really, I wanna try that all right, dude, it's just not your strengths. You know, it involves math and this and that. You're not, try to gently tell him. It's just, it's not maybe your best thing. i got to try it. I really want to try it. Uh And he's been through a number of things in different jobs where he's lasted two days and then, I mean, he worked at Safeway for eight years. Um, And one of the jobs he really thought he would like to do because he was sick of bagging was to work in a deli. Well, imagine the deli at lunchtime. Right. And somebody comes in with an order for six sandwiches. All of them are different, and they're in a rush. Take a kid with IDD who works at one thing at a time.
0: He's and methodical, a, I'm sure. Methodical. <laughs> yes.
2: And and then he's going to go, what was the second one? And have somebody screaming in your face, I've got to get out of here in five minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it, that's outside of his ability.
0: Yeah. Clearly
2: outside. And, and not – there's a point to letting him try, and there's another point to – I don't want to put him in something that's guaranteed failure.
0: Right, right. You know? And we had a similar situation where my son, who's 15, we've always just shaved his head at home because we're, mm-hmm. like, taking him to the barber. Like, the sensory input, the yeah. noise, like, all of it, we're like, we're just going to shave his head. Yeah. And the first couple of years, I mean, we're talking, like, under the arm, like, one person shaved because <laughs> it would be the only way, right? Yeah. And then so we found a local barber at, um, I think it's called The Yard in Kendall Yards. Mm -hmm. And he specializes in special needs haircuts. So he'll open up before. He'll stay open late. He'll open on Sundays and take as long as he wants. Josiah sat there and got his hair faded and edged up the first time. I'm like, well, but it's that we just didn't think he was capable. We didn't want to Put him in a situation that we are like, this is going to turn into a shit show. Right. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. And then, yeah. You're like, how do you get him home when he's escalated? How do you, like, diffuse the situation and all the things? And we were just preventing that mm-hmm. because it just takes so much. And why would we want to put him in a situation that would escalate him? Right. He did just fine. Yeah. And it was one of those moments where you realize, like, they are capable of so much more.
2: It, we don't trust that no. they are. Yes. we have all kinds of assumptions about what they're capable of doing and we actually we have somewhat of an idea because we we can watch and see strengths and weaknesses and things like that but there are things like that that are just completely out of the blue that you just cannot explain well and
0: it's trauma from the past yeah. like why like i have seen a similar situation that did not go well mm-hmm. like i am why would i want to put myself in that right. again <laughs> right. so yeah, yeah. no i get that but it's like so holly was telling us that her stepson um would, have a master, would masturbate in, like, grandpa's bedroom and all of these things and trying to teach him an appropriate place. And she made it very clear at one of our mom's nights, like, don't tell him to do it in the bathroom because when they're in public, they will think it's acceptable mm. to do it in the bathroom. And that's also another thing, like, a lot of us parents didn't think about because that's our first thought is, like, just go to the bathroom, do what you got to do, and come back <laughs> out. But that generalizing out of the house and when you're in public, it just right. opens them up to be even more of a victim. Yeah. And it, there's so much that we just... Say inadvertently, right. You,
2: you, you have to think about, they talk about um, what is it four uh, d chess? Or this, this multiple levels and multiple. Yes. You have to think in so many different angles. A full three sixty, and then double that, and then do <laughs> yes. a, a parallel universe, <laughs> and think of the complete opposite and all the factors, and it's it's overwhelming. It is. It's absolutely overwhelming.
0: Especially when you're living in it. Yes. Like I know, like when we're living in it, we just give the first answer to diffuse the situation because our energy is going in twelve other places, yeah. and it's hard to focus on like being intentional and being safe and realizing that this is a situation that's such a teachable moment right. that's going to lead them for the next 20 years. And you mm-hmm. need to invest in that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you're neck deep in shit, yeah. like, <laughs> so, you, you miss a lot of opportunities. Yeah, that, that's a huge, yeah. Like, no, I mean, just keep that's it real. A, like, that's <laughs> a,
2: no, it is. It's, it's a huge, super important point is all the literature that I've looked at. And again, I'm not an expert on any of it. I'm still learning it. Like a lot of people, um, I have my strengths that lie in one area, but as far as the all the stuff that goes behind it, I look at all this stuff and I go, wow, these are really good points. I wish I'd done all of these. And uh-huh. I think of how hectic my kids' lives were and with two working parents. And you know, I the other three kids are all in sports. They're all in different places. They're all different activities. I can't devote everything to just this one child. Now I'm gonna spread it out. There's only yes. two of me, yes. right? My wife and I. And there's only so many hours in the day, and so you, you can't. You can try to do the best you can do. Yes. And that's it. And, and the one thing that I would say that that the, the main principle that you can always work on is open communication. Yes. And talking about feelings, because feelings and stress are where secrets come from. Like if something's happening at school that they're stressed about, stressed out about, and they're not used to talking to you about it, like you don't have that sit down, tell me good thing, tell me bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just everybody goes to their rooms and here's an iPad and there's your there's your dinner, or your nuggets or whatever that we mm-hmm. got at McDonald's on the drive-thin way home. You're gonna never gonna know what your kid's going through.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so mm-hmm. if, if you establish that, just to being able to communicate with whatever your child's communication style is, and knowing, knowing that child, so that when something off happens, that you are then your radar is like oop, what's that about? So
0: would you attribute uh, that to being a sign to watch out for as like a change in behavior? Yes. Say if there was a situation that occurred, like what are some signs that parents and car, uh, caregivers could look for?
2: Sure. Um, and it, it, as we talk about communication styles, let's say your your child is very verbal, normal communication styles. Style suddenly they come home and they don't want to talk to you at all. Okay. Now, that could be just because they turned 13, too,
0: right? And the feeling might be mutual at that moment.
2: (laughs) Any of of these things I'm going to mention are also all parts of growing up. Okay. Right? Okay. So, again, it's it's kind of big picture. Knowing, well, obvious stuff, physical signs. Um, If, uh, let's say that um, you have a child that has, um, that goes out during the day to, like, a community program, Or goes to somebody else's house for them to watch him or her during the day. And they come home and you're bathing them. And you notice bruises on the person's body. And maybe they're on the thighs or something like that. Well, first, how did those get there? Mm -hmm. Um, Let me backtrack for a minute. As parents, we also have to have control. Mm -hmm. So to avoid melting down and freaking out is huge for kids. Because you are their sole um, connection to... Safety. Yes. And if you lose it, they're going to think that if they're losing it, I should lose it. Nobody's so in control. Meet that
0: energy. Yeah,
2: don't meet the energy. And that's going to be hard to do. Um, you have to be very balanced and, and, and be able to have a discussion and certainly not accuse anybody of doing anything. Never, ever, ever tell a child, hey, this is your fault. Why were you even down there? How come you know, told you you shouldn't have been out at 830 at night? And it, it's not their fault, number one. Number two, if they, let's say they do just give you a disclosure. And let's say even the disclosure sounds sketchy, like it's unbelievable, like it's just like too wild. You have to believe it. Mm-hmm. It's a disclosure. Mm-hmm. And so no matter how it comes across, you, you then have to start to take steps to find out what happened. And one key thing is if you have a trusted friend, if it, if it seems like there's nothing super concrete right away, you have to have somebody to be able to bounce that off of. So if you have a best friend, girlfriend, that might also have a child with, with IDD or, or or another disability, is to be able to bounce it off them, what do you think? This sounds really weird to me. And if they agree with you or not, if, if your little voice inside of you is saying that has gotta go further, you need to call the police and you need to get the, an investigation rolling and bring in people who have special skills to be able to interview someone properly to find out, or even a sane exam to find out what happened.
0: Now, if they're nonverbal, how do they give consent? Do they need consent? if They're underage,
2: to as if, far as what?
0: Um, for exams, like if something happened to a, a DD person and they're nonverbal, yeah. how do they do they have to give consent for those exams? How what is the laws around that?
2: Those I don't know, okay, fair, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. In California, it's different from Washington, so sure. I'm still getting used to those. Uh, we just paid a visit to partners with families and children, okay, and they have a uh, children's advocacy, advocacy center. Um, and they do forensic interviews there as well as sane exams there. They are the experts in this area on kids who have been abused
1: mm-hmm. and
2: even uh, young adults uh, with disabilities that have mm-hmm. been abused. Um, <clears throat> so I would focus my attention there uh, and talk to them at the experts as far as you know and this may this getting back to the why so many uh, crimes go unreported, this may be a thing where the person that caused the issue, now is in jail for something else. Sure. And is gone. Sure. And the child is safe, and it's maybe not worth putting him through this whole thing. Maybe no, it's just worth, yes, yeah, some yeah. type of counseling, and just make sure that this never happens again,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you know, put the bubble wrap around them forever.
0: Because you're acknowledging mm-hmm. that the event happened, yes. like you're respecting that individual, yes. and you're rehabilitating them and giving them what they need. Yeah. And justice has been served elsewhere, but it's very it mirrors Possibly. each other. Yes, you, know, you
2: yes. know, as a cop, you know, my thing was always people that tend to offend don't do it one time only. Right, they do it multiple times. Yes. So if I as a parent decide not to put my child through that whole investigation and exam and everything there's a potential that guy that is in custody that we know is in custody for something completely different might get out and then victimize someone else Mm -hmm. so for me as a cop my thought is always I want this guy to go away for what he did and then there'd be a record that shows that he did this so that nobody else gets victimized again Mm -hmm. so that if you were to hire this guy as a caregiver and this was the first time that he decided to victimize a child He's now on record, <clears throat> so that the next parent, when they go to hire a caregiver, maybe they go to the Washington State Patrol site and they can enter information in mm-hmm. to get a background check on a potential employee, and it'll show a conviction there. Yeah. And no matter how smooth a talker this person is, you're not gonna get hired, you're gonna get around my kid. In right. fact, I'm blocking your number right now, Right. so that doesn't happen again. So th- there's so many different things to consider, and, and there's no there's no right or wrong answer. It, yeah. it, it's totally dependent on the situation, who the person is, because everybody reacts to trauma differently. Um, <clears throat> and, and knowing who your child is and whether you think they're at a point where, if they went through this, or maybe the child demands it.
0: Right, right.
2: right, They want some closure. They want that person to go to jail. And they know enough that that person did a bad thing and, and should not ever be around anybody. Or mm-hmm. maybe they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: maybe if they're severely disabled, okay. They were molested. You found out through bruising or some other physical thing um, <clears throat> or behavior change. And it's just not worth it to put them through repeated stress, stress and, and trauma.
0: Right, right. So
2: it's an individual thing. and in that. But that's why I would rely on experts like at the Partners with Families and Children okay, who deal with okay. children who have been victimized all the time and, it, and have a wide range of experience that can say, yeah, these are the upsides, these are the downsides. We're happy to be, stand next to you and walk you through it. Yeah,
0: and you know? the only reason I asked is my son, like I said, he's 15 and in the state of Washington. You can be 13 and have all legal like access to your medical. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell your parents. You don't have to do any things. And I had to sign a sheet for him saying that he allowed me to be his, I don't even know what they're called, but like, I can make his doctor's appointments. Yeah. And he had no idea what he signed, but it still worked and I didn't know how that would work like because in our state he wouldn't have to tell me what happened mm. therefore I couldn't be his voice right mm-hmm. so I didn't know if my voice would hold value because of his age in yeah. our state like I'm just interested because I just know that it was absolutely ridiculous when I signed that sheet he's nonverbal he can't tell me that he like agrees to it but I as his guardian mm-hmm. it's part of my job right, right? Yeah. so that would be and I guess that's another situation is if if it's a DD person of the community member, and they're over 18 and they don't have a guardian. Like, on paper, would their still-trusted adult be allowed to advocate for them? Yeah. Or are they on their own? Like, there's so many variables. So, like, in mm-hmm. California,
2: Colin's 26, and he's independent. He's not under guardianship. Okay. Um, he's able to function. He has staff to help him out during the day, and, and the building he lives in is is uh, run by a nonprofit that's specifically for people with disabilities. Ooh, okay. But... um. So when he goes to Kaiser and he wants me to look at his blood lab results, right, he has to actually give me his login so I can go look at him and then walk through him with him. I I can't call the hospital. They won't talk to me.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, You know, you talk about he doesn't know what he signs, and that's another one of our things we're trying to work on statewide.
0: Yes.
1: Uh,
2: The ARC is plain language. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. Plain language forms. Yes. You know, Colin goes,
2: he goes to the doctor And he comes out and the doctor says, Okay, you know, here's your this is this is what your uh, your skin rash thing is, right? And these are the things you should do. And his reading level is not super high. Mm -hmm. And they've got medical terms on there and stuff I don't understand. Mm -hmm. You know, and he'll ask me, Dad, I don't and they'll ask him to sign it that he received this. You acknowledge da-da-da-da, right? Yes. He doesn't know what he's signing, and he's not allowed to have a staff person come in and, and sit there and and I said well can you ask the person he said he's asked the medical staff if they could read a form they can't they're not allowed to
0: right or they won't
2: i don't know which and um so that's very disturbing to me Mm -hmm. you know and Mm -hmm. the plain language thing is huge because there's stuff you and i will get that we're like uh what am i signing
0: (laughs) and we have (laughs) the schema to know how to google things how to ask questions like we have those skills already and then to be in a doctor's office which is already intimidating Right? Like you already know you're going in with some deficits. And then to leave, you don't want to feel even more embarrassed by not understanding. So Mm -hmm. you put on such a mask for some of our population. And then they're like, I have no idea what just happened, but I couldn't show any more vulnerability. So that's, oh, that makes me so sad. Yeah, and well,
1: actually I have been learning quite a bit because when I recently went to the doctor and and they did a test and they said, okay, well, we're going to be sending you the results. And I said, great, will it be in plain language? and and she looked a little bit lost and she said probably not right and 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 then said but if it's serious or anything like a doctor will call you and follow up and i and i did laugh and i said might actually just want to think about giving test results in a way that's, like, meaningful to the person that's receiving yeah. them.
0: You would think. <laughs> <laughs> like, you shouldn't need an Oxford Dictionary to right, figure right. out and that you have is, the
2: flu. What does this mean? If this, And does my child even know what a less than or greater than right. Right. symbol right. Yes. means? There's and so much they, being
0: implied. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, yeah, that's a big thing. So, we were talking about what are some possible signs. And, and a lot of it comes down... Thousands of possible signs sure and none of them the same Uh, It's things out of the ordinary in things that should pique your interest and attention and and make you start to dig into What's going like
0: your parent radar just goes yeah
2: for sure. Yeah, I mean if if you've got a if you've got a child that uh, um, Is in a wheelchair for instance and very well adjusted and happy and and moving around and doing things then suddenly they stop being communicative and they start ramming people with their wheelchair Mm -hmm. or they don't want to give hugs anymore
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, they're sensitive about going on a particular bus anymore they don't want to go to particular class anymore these are things that should be a little red alert to you to go wow what happened how come Mm -hmm. it could be something as simple as it's a new subject in math and it's confusing to them and they can't do it Mm -hmm. and they just don't want to go or Something else could happen.
0: Which is where that line of communication being open yes. is so valuable yeah. because they could just tell you. Yeah. Uh, well,
2: I have a, for instance, I had uh, one of my son's um, special ed teachers. Uh, he came home one day and he said, Mr. So and so wants to go on a hike with us. And I go, Do you guys always go on hikes with him? Well, no, but it's it's springtime and, and there's a hill right behind the school and they wanted to take the kids up. And I go, well, What do you think about that? I put the ball in his court. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I think it's okay. I said, well, how many people are going? Well, just two of us. I'm like, Mm. hmm. I said, okay. So what are some bad things that could happen, do you think? And he started to roll through his imagination about bad things. You know, it could be a bear or a snake or this kind of thing. I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think it's a good idea? Is it something the teachers usually do? Well, maybe not. And anyway, I've got this other thing I want to do, so I probably won't do it. So Mm. it's worth the discussion. Mm -hmm. could be absolutely nothing. Could be a way to get my son in a place where he's right. completely alone right. with this teacher. Oh, the other person that was going to come with us didn't show up. Well, I guess it's just you and me now, and let's go. Right?
0: Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah.
2: Here I am trusting that the school has vetted this guy. But how many times have we seen in the newspaper that the the teacher or the the pastor, the child's, yes. you know. The
0: trusted individuals. Trusted individuals. In our society. We'll, right. Yeah, Will yeah.
2: we'll hurt children. And yeah. So you just don't know. So it's like, you know, you walking on, as a parent, you're walking on that edge of whatever new thing my kid tries, you're scared to death to just let him. So you're like, you, you monitor every step.
0: Uh-huh. You
2: monitor, okay, it looks a little wobbly. Oh, he straightened himself back up. Now it's uh-huh. back, okay, well, maybe this isn't a good idea. And, you know, teaching your kids um, the difference between avoiding bad people or avoiding bad situations. Mm. What's more important?
0: Mm-hmm. Do
2: we always know who's a bad person? Mm-hmm. No, but can we look at a bad situation? Why is this bad? Well, what, going down the street, you might be going through a bad neighborhood and you might just say in, in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, oh, this place is really sketchy. And that would be so the time. everything
0: that's in your narrative, yeah. it's important just to speak it out. How else are they going to learn it? Yeah, no, that's true. You
2: probably learned it from somebody else, uh-huh. right? So, mm-hmm. how are they going to learn it? So, hey, honey, look around you right now. You see how weird this is? Like, there's no street lights and all that stuff. It's kind of spooky, huh? Yeah. Right? Is this probably, maybe you should think of a better way home. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How come? Well, because this and this and this. Could, well, as a cop, of course, my kids knew every bad thing that could happen to them. Right. And, and, and what's safe and what's not safe. And and dad would always say, no, you can't do this. No, 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 no. Right, right. right. And um, dad, we're going to go to this place. No, because no, no, and no. Yeah. Right. So you have to maybe not be so. No,
0: <laughs> but
2: so here's for instance, my, my stepson. He, if I say no to him, he's going to come back with, Why not? Fair. And so for us, it was, um, what is that Batman thing? Is unstoppable force meets uh, immovable object? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Is it Batman or some other stuff? But that's anyway.
0: the perfect description of me <laughs> yes. and my daughter's relationship, so, <laughs> right there. So when
2: I learned that instead of turning everything to a fight, and this took until he was like fifteen, uh-huh, that if I would then try to force my anger down and and my um, irritation at being questioned. Because obviously Well we're from a generation
0: that you don't question what your parents tell you. But if he and I could
2: sit down and go, okay, here's why. So for instance, he he asked me one time, a couple of his friends called him ten thirty at night he comes into our bedroom he said, hey can I go meet so and so and so and so we're going to go walk the streets for a little bit at 10.30 night on a school night
0: the hell you are <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the first thing I said
0: almost the exact same uh-huh. and he's like
2: why and I, my first thought is because I said so and it's 10.30 right I said okay Kyle here's the deal you and your friends go out in the streets you start walking on the sidewalk it's dark out there I so said who do you think is out right now on the streets I don't know Mm-hmm. I go, okay, I'm the cop. I'm driving through our neighborhood and I'm looking for people that are breaking into cars. Because the only people out walking around right now are either people breaking into cars, the occasional person walking down the street just because they need to get out of the house, or stupid little kids like you that mm-hmm. are just up to no good and out gallivanting, right? I said, so imagine I come down the street. I'm going to find out, first of all, you're underage, it's close to curfew. I'm going to find out where you belong. Because it's my job as a law enforcement officer to take care for you. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that, but Mm -hmm. that's my job. Oh, so I'm going to stop you and talk to you and find out, well, we're not going to do anything. I said, granted, but what if two of you are not going to do anything and one of you decides when the cop car rolls by to run? Right. So then what happens?
0: Because there's been top fear, right? I mean, it's not uncommon. I
2: have had that happen numerous times, right? And so walking it through the whole possible outcomes of his decision-making, which I think is poor at that moment.
0: Well, 15 to 25, it's all questionable. It's all questionable. But (laughs) but for him,
2: for he and I both, it made all the difference because then he could see the logic of my reasoning. Uh. Because my logic for my reasoning and saying, no, that's a stupid idea, it's a huge file folder in my brain full of all the times when I've seen all the bad stuff happen and all the people I've talked to, and I know all that, it's compressed into a no. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. He doesn't know any of that.
0: Yeah. He doesn't know what you've seen and what you've experienced. Right, right. right, right.
2: And, and, but I have also been 15 years old and I have also been sneaking down streets oh, and it's yes. fun to hide and all this <laughs> oh, stuff, yes. right? So being able to give him the benefit of that experience. So, okay, now that's a figure, air quotes, normal child.
0: Uh
2: A child with disability. Who who doesn't have what Kyle has. Who, it's harder for them to understand. Who they communicate differently. How they think differently. Their decision making is different. We let them do certain things. We don't let them do certain other things. They reach a certain point in their age when they want to be more independent. Why aren't we letting them be more independent? Mm -hmm. How come my friends at school get to do this and I don't? And that is all, those are all very realistic things that we, as parents, we tend to be blindsided by.
0: And I feel like as they're older too, they still might have younger tendencies, which makes mm-hmm. it easier for grooming. Like yes. like my son at 15 still has a superhero backpack, mm-hmm. shirt, toys. Like those are like his only interest. So that's what we purchase for him. But I then it's like, would that be an easy grooming tool because somebody can walk past him and know, right. without even yeah. talking to him, what would be alluring... Activity yeah. or a, a, a gift or a toy right like Some, something as simple as take...
2: is, is it? I'm a person that wants to offend I've offended before nobody's ever caught me, right? Where do I go to find an easy target? Well, I'm gonna go down to the mall and mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to the food court
0: mm-hmm. Because
2: that's like kid central mm-hmm. and let's see keep a secret and don't tell Your mom or dad because you know I'll come and kill your dog.
0: Yeah, or
2: whatever. Yeah, Right. And, and then knowing what's also appropriate for kids to disclose to, to strangers. You know, don't tell them you, your parents live at X 123 Main Street, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I have two dogs and three brothers, and we drive a red van.
0: Right, and so right. all a
2: guy has to do to drive around the neighborhood and find the place with the red van, and boy, I know where you live now.
0: And I think this is so important because we just assume, I think as parents, right, that our kids know right from wrong already. Mm-hmm. Because we've already known it, and. I I know that as a parent sometimes I forget what my kids don't know because I just we're so busy. Yeah. You know like we just really miss those. So you are offering this as a training, is that right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we are hosting two separate events, one for parents and one for educators. Right. So the parent one is how long?
2: Um, it's generally an hour to an hour and a half. Okay. kind of depends on where the conversation goes. Sure. Uh, the kind of questions we get. Okay. And um, the teacher one uh, should also be an hour. I do two basic ones. One is a three-hour course. Okay. And it's designed for professionals. Um, it has CEUs attached to it. Um, the one for parents, it, the, I don't think three hours is necessary. Um, I think an hour is, is good enough to get across what we have. Uh, we have some really decent handouts okay. uh, that we like to give people, and working to get those on our website so they're available to parents as well okay. that can't attend. Um trainings
0: so we're hosting you on thursday april 26th yes. for the parent one and then april 28th for the educator one and those are
2: both in person or are they they're no? both in
0: person okay. and they'll both be at the clubhouse because i am so over zoom yes i just <laughs> yes. i just can't i just can't anymore and now yes. that the mask mandate is over like we should be able to get back to uh in-person events yeah. where we get to see everybody's faces
2: it's much it's much more intimate and it lets it lets people know that they're not the only ones going through what they're going through and have the same fears that other parents do. Yeah. And, and and it gives you then somebody to talk to outside your own home that now I can call so-and-so and just run something by them.
0: Yeah, it's a great way to make a network. It's a great network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
2: I've A ton of stuff, but we don't have time.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> what about you, Jennifer? Would you like to add anything before we wrap up? Um...
1: No, just so in, incredibly thankful for the opportunity to share yes. this. So April is um National Sexual Abuse Awareness Month. Um and so uh, we we do definitely invite other, you know, organizations that work with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities um to call us if you, if you want this training. Um let us know. Jim um so Jim might uh might kill me after after this, <laughs> but um he he is actually really good at customizing a training. <laughs> awesome, awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys sharing your day with me and spending the time. This is an important topic that a lot of us just kind of wish we could sweep under the rug, but we can't. And the the numbers are astounding. Like, that, my heart has been in my feet <laughs> since you said that. So I appreciate you. It's very important that we get parents, some knowledge in a spot that we don't have access to a lot of, like you said, they don't even teach it in school. So let alone having material for parents. So I appreciate you so much for doing what you're doing and helping change the lives of our community members. So thank you, thank you for being here guys. Okay. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.